I used to feel like, oh my gosh, I should be doing so much more. And now that I'm older, I know, you know, this is what you can do. And so if you try to do it all, something will give and you'll either get burnout, the art will suffer, right? Something's got to give. Hello, and welcome to The Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host and creator, Aaron S, and for this week's episode, I had a conversation with the amazing artist, Gina Artadonna. A fine artist from the US, Gina is a comedian whose work straddles many different borders and genres of art. Gina's work presents itself to the viewer through the use of bright, vibrant colors, laden with symbolism that sugarcoat a variety of darker, more visceral topics. Start where I start with everybody. So just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Okay. Um, well, hi, I'm Gina. Um, I oh, how did I become an artist? I, you know, I just think it's not really a choice. I think it's something when I was little, it like clicked and I just always loved it. And I was always drawing. And when I was young my my mom liked to draw too and like to paint so she encouraged us of course my sister and I both liked it and she would take us to art classes and um we did it together like my sister my mom and I would go to you know a little painting class in this like nice wow. woman's basement and yeah, she just did it in her basement <laughs> and um I'm from, you know, a, a small town that's now coming really small and rural. And so, yeah, we went in her basement and we painted. And then I went to high school and I still, you know, took art. We had, we had a really nice art program at my high school. And I didn't know if I wanted to do art, you know, as a career. So I was just not really sure what I wanted to do. I liked a lot of things. I liked science and specifically anatomy and biology mm. and physiology. And I, I liked history and literature. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to a large university here that um, I got into and it was a really large school with lots of options. So I could kind of figure it out when I got there. And I took art classes. I took science. I took all kinds of classes. And I just really, I didn't like being in the non-art major art classes. I felt that I was beyond that or that I, you know, and I just really wanted to do art. And I, so I switched pretty quickly. And I don't know, I've just been doing it ever since. And I, like I said, it's not really a choice when I go through times in my life when I don't have as much time to paint those are hard times. And I, then I have to actively say, you know, no, 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 this is very, very important. I need to make as much time as possible. And, you know, um, so that's a long winded way of saying no, it's not, it wasn't really nice. <laughs> so you're made to do it, but I'm kind of curious, like, so do you see art as therapy for you? Yes. A thousand percent. Um, I, I have seen, I see a therapist as well, but okay. uh, on and off, I see a therapist, but 
I've actually talked with her about that, that art is truly a form of therapy for me. I work so much stuff out in my art practice and I truly use things that happen to me and specifically bad things that happen mm. to me as inspiration, as fuel, as just like a really a guiding force in my work. So my work really is very meditative. So I think, I know we'll get into like a lot of what yeah. I make and stuff, but you know, my work is very highly detailed and takes a lot of time. And that's yeah. really just part of that meditation for me. Definitely. A form of therapy. <laughs> Definitely. And the thing is your work is very compelling and we'll definitely get into it a bit later because I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like symbology and a lot of like meaning and a lot of like, it's just very, it's very different. It's a, it's a little bit offset, I think, to the kind of the main kind of typical kind of not even just feminine work, but just the typical kind of portrait paintings I see a lot. Um, it's very captivating, mm -hmm. like very captivating, but like we'll get onto that in a bit, but my question for you is, does society value art? Oh, how does society find my art? Yeah, like, do you um, think, or, or do you think society values art as like a, uh, just like a mm, general subject? That's a really good question. I think, oh, it's a really hard question too. I think art is always going to be important, but I think more and more our society doesn't, value artists they don't it doesn't value artists time and effort i i do think art is becoming less and less valued i do think some people understand and there's always going to be people and there's always going to be a market and a niche and i do think art is extremely important extremely and a real artist but you know we've got a lot of big issues right now of course with AI art and all this stuff. And I'm not really going to speak. I'm not hmm. super well-versed on yeah. all that that's going on, but I do notice, you know, being, especially being a content creator on, I hate calling myself that, but you know, on TikTok, that's what we're yeah. called. If you're, if you make videos and on Instagram and you see people that just talk about their life and silly stories, getting, you know, these huge platforms and followings. And so I'm not sure if, is that, forever is that right now you know i do think art is has been here and will always be here i really do believe that it will stand the test of time i think a lot of people are questioning that right now but i always feel like art will stand the test of time it's just kind of a hard world where we're balancing as artists not only being artists but being an online personality as well which is something i'm yeah. not very I don't like, and I don't really want to be, but I think it's, it might be the future for artists. I'm not sure. So that's interesting for a few things. I actually feel like you actually are very good at it, which is why, mm, it's, okay. it's actually, which is actually one of the reasons that I asked you for this interview, because I feel like not everybody is necessarily approachable. And I feel like you are very approachable. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen you online, like you actually show your face. A lot of artists don't, a lot of artists are very introverted and that's fair enough. Mm -hmm. But I definitely agree with you in the sense of like, there is a sense of having a personality as well as having a skill. And that's mm -hmm. definitely a question very near the end um, about that. But like, it's this idea of like, you kind of do have to show yourself online a bit. You don't have to be everybody's best friend, but people mm -hmm. are always going to want to know who the person behind the work is because your work is yeah. about you. 
as much as it might not be about you, it's always about you. There's always a seed there from your life and your upbringing and your story that you want to tell, you know? And I think that's kind of important to get to know the person behind that. For the most part, it, it depends. It can, the mystery can also work just as well as not. Um, and I know artists and I have a lot of friends who go through both sides of the spectrum where they're like, they're very, very, they're very, very, very introverted and very quiet and very mysterious mm-hmm. to people being very, very loud and kind of extroverted and it works mm-hmm. out both ways. So you have to, it's like a sliding scale. You just find out where you fall. Um, and you, I think, uh, lovely, I think you were like lovely cause you're in the middle, but you can go either way, which is nice where you want to exactly. be. Exactly. That's my goal. And it's something that I've been actively practicing. I'm also a, an art teacher, right? Like I love oh. the shared experience of art so I try to like encourage that on my a little bit on my platform like if people ask me you know what medium I make sure I always answer I think that's really important to impart I like imparting the art knowledge so I also teach I'm an adjunct um professor at a local art college here called like the Moore College of Art and I, I love, love, love doing that. So I, I like teaching art. So I, and I also teach, we're actually on my, <laughs> the Zoom account from the art center. I also teach it. So I love teaching art. So I use my platform. I, I, I truly, in, in social media world, I, my goal is to show art and to not like gatekeep as the young mm. the young people say I don't want to gatekeep anything so I do actively try and I I do think I could be better at showing more of my life and online but I do my best I do my best baby steps baby steps but I think the thing is you have to remember you have a family you have a life to live you know you can't be online 24 oh, yeah. 7 you're not some 17 year old who has nothing to do with their lives and is being is living with their parents like you know you can't just produce art every single day for the just for likes and for like notoriety it means more to you than just that yeah i don't share my family Mm. uh because the internet can be you know a scare you know i've got little little babies so i i don't share them either they're doing Right. So, and that's another thing. So, so online can only show so much of my life because a lot of my life has to be offline. Well, it's private. It's yours at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's your life. It's not everybody else's. And I think as a society as a whole, we've, we've kind of got to a point, I don't know how, where people want full transparency. And it's like, but not everybody wants that. Particularly, I feel like right. because like I turned 30 recently. So, particularly as I get older, I realize how kind of damaging the internet can be and how much. None of it really makes much sense because mm-hmm. I remember a time before, as I always say, I remember the first day of YouTube. I remember like yeah. times before the internet and it's like oh, yeah. things weren't that important back then and they're still not that important now. It's just the mass opinion has changed to what's important. Like likes, unless, as I say, unless your follower account matches your bank account, it really doesn't mean that much. Absolutely. But, I absolutely agree. So I think the grander scheme of the society question is just, I think our is important to the conversation, but I think sometimes there's so much content right now, right? Mm. There's so much content. So we'll see. I think now post COVID art shows are beginning again. I I could see it having, you know, a big resurgence, but you know, we'll see. time will, time will tell in terms of my own art with society. I think, Mm. gosh, 
it's, I'm still trying to find my place in the art world, if that makes sense. And not that I'm not included. I think I, I, everyone's been wonderful and inclusive. I think the art world's more inclusive than we give it credit for, but I'm still trying to find my place for my art. You know, my art isn't dark art, right? But it, Hmm. it is darker, right? Um, So I think there's, that's something I'm still solving, but at the same time, it, you know, I'm going to make the art I make, the authentic stuff. And if it fits in, it fits in. Right. And then I also think, you know, for art, you know, there's people that like to collect art and specifically figurative art. Not everybody likes that. Right. Some people want, you know, beach scenes and, and there's, there's nothing with that's what you're painting and that's great. So I think it's just finding your little corner and hoping that other people will see your vision at the end of the day is the best, you know, that's, that's my hope at least. (laughs) So what's the biggest challenge of being an artist? Oh God. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of challenges to being an artist. I think the, the benefits of being an artist for me, for me outweigh the challenges in terms of being, yeah, like I, I love to create, I love to paint. It makes me me. Right. So for that, and I, I love teaching art. I just, I love everything that I do, but there's so many things that are really hard. And I think there's things that are much harder even now than when I began art. Um, when I was really young and I was just getting into it, you know, you would get big enough, enough that a gallery would sign you and you would have some security, some, right. Some semblance of security where if the gallery signs you, you're guaranteed this many shows and they promote and they do a lot of stuff for you. And all your main focus would just be to making the art. Right. Yeah. And then showing it and doing, you know, interviews if they wanted you to and all of that. And, you know, I kind of missed that world. I never was a part of it. I I knew of it, but I wasn't there yet in my career. And now there, you're not really getting signed by galleries anymore. You're showing, you're doing self-promotion, social media. And I think as an artist, the biggest challenge is all the hats we have to wear as an artist, right? Mm. I'm not only creating and painting and coming up with concepts, but I'm a small business. I'm a social media person. I can pack and sell. I can, I mean, there's just so much to it now and all the different hats and all the different things that go with it that I think more and more artists are getting burnt out. I'm seeing it with my friend, my artist friends. I think getting burnt out is a, is definitely a very real possibility. And so I shield myself in ways I've when I versus when I first started, when I first started, I thought, oh, my gosh, okay, I have to get this huge following on. I have to work really, really hard at social media and I have to make an Etsy one of these days and I have to have a shoppable website and I have to make prints. I have to do all these things. And then as I progressed in the art world, I realized, no, 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 you can't do it all. You just can't, you know, you just can't. And you have to focus on what's important. And what was important to me was teaching 
new artists, <laughs> emerging artists and having that relationship with them and showing in galleries is still important to me. I really, I love showing in galleries. I like seeing my work up on the wall. I like when it does get bought and knowing that it's going to have a new home and purpose. And I just really love that. And I respect my friends in the art world that are doing the hard work that are not that I'm not doing hard work. I'm doing really hard work too. That are <laughs> of course. You know, packing and shipping and doing print drops and stickers and going to the art fairs and gosh, really hustling, hustling. And I have full respect for that. It is just not I've learned a long time ago, it's not me. I don't have open commissions. I'm not doing commissions like my friends are. And I used to feel like, oh my gosh, I should be doing so much more. And now that I'm older, I know, you know, this is what you can do. And so if you try to do it all, something will give and you'll either get burnout, the art will suffer, right? Something's got to give, right? And I've, I've come to accept that I've, I've honestly hit the goals. It's so funny. I actually have hit all my goals that I set for myself. I just, I had set years ago goals that I found to be maybe attainable or reasonable goals to an extent. And I said, I hope to hit these. If I don't, it's okay. But it's funny. I've kind of I was talking to my husband actually the other day and I was like, wow, I actually hit my goals. (laughs) And I said, you know, um, and you know, my best friend, like, I think she's so far past my goals, but she's like, I'm not even close to my goals. And I, I commend her, let her, you know, I want her to reach for the stars, but it's so funny. I, and I'm not going to stop. I'm going to just do what I'm doing. And if I hit goals that I haven't even imagined for myself, that would be incredible. But so I really think the challenges, the true challenges, I keep going off on tangents. I apologize. I'm a no, challenger. This is perfect. So please stop. No, this is perfect. I am a challenger. No, I'm not. No, absolutely not. I'm not stopping you one bit. <laughs> okay. So um, for me, the challenge I have luckily resolved now that I'm in my mid thirties, it took a long time. The challenge is like, we are always as artists compare, listen, comparison is the thief of joy. When you stop comparing yourself to every, to anyone else, and you just set your own goals that are reasonable goals and hope for them and don't count on them, hope for them. Then it, it just goes so much happier and easier. Uh, And I've taken some of the hats off. I've added hats parenting hats, life hats, but I've taken a lot of hats off. I'm not going to be a social media expert and I'm just going to do what I do. And it's okay. If if it does well on social media, that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy and it's great, but I've, I've had to take that hat off. Right. Um, so there's a lot in terms of that. I think if you're able as an artist to focus on you, to look inward, to trust yourself, to trust your process, to be happy for your goals, you know, and I, then I think a lot of the challenges kind of just naturally work themselves out. And of course I'll still have hard weeks. You're catching me on a really good week, right? (laughs) But one of my goals was to be an adjunct professor. Now, some people would say maybe your goal would be to be a full-time professor. Now you've hit your adjunct. But for me, I really just, I wanted to be an adjunct and a full-time artist. And I'm both. And I am very, very happy. 
I might change my mind in a few years when my kids are a little older and maybe I would want to, you know, set new goals. But at, at this moment, I'm, I'm just very happy with where I've come and I get to paint and I'm just, if I get to paint, I'm happy. Right. I will say though, my goals, and this is why I say for artists, uh, comparisons, the thief of joy, right? Because my goals are obtainable for me because I have a partner in life. And I know a lot of my friends don't have that. And, and I'm very, very lucky. I'm very, very lucky. My husband um, has a great job. So um, I can go after my goals, right? Um, mm. Yeah, that's a that's a, a good point to make, actually, I think. And I, I think that's really important. I, I've had actually students tell me, they're like, how are you doing it? You know, you you live in the city and how are you afford it? I was like, oh, I have a husband. Like, I'm, I, I want to be honest. I have to be honest, you know? I mean, I make money. <laughs> I make money, but like without my husband, I mean, I'd be destitute. I would be, I don't make enough to live. You know, I would, even if I didn't have kids, I mean, I would li- literally, I'd be on this, I'd be, I don't know, living in my parents' house. I Really? I mean, so I think that's why you can't compare to anybody else because I don't think you should feel like you failed if you're living at your parents' house. If you're being an artist and you're showing and you're making some money and paying some of your bills, you've done it. I mean, artist that's the art world. So the the funny thing about that is that that's actually a really important kind of, actually that's a really important point to raise. Like in terms of comparison, like it's so easy to look at an artist and be like, oh, they're selling prints. They're making a lot of money. They've got a lot of followers. They're living the dream. But actually we don't really know the behind the scenes. We don't, and no one's on Instagram most of the time being like oh no i can't afford rent like i have so i know obviously i know a lot of artists i speak to a lot of artists and i have a glimpse into different people's words and i have friends who are very much telling me they can't pay their rent but you would never think that because they're just always creating great work and they're always doing amazing things um and it's so interesting how we don't really be honest necessarily uh to our audience but then it's not you know, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It gives people a false sense of that eye is easy when it's really not. But, you know, I guess it's just the way that people are. So let's get into your work, actually. Okay. So for those who may not have seen it, can you just tell us a bit about your work? Describe your work for those who may not have seen it. That's okay. Um. So I work primarily in oil paint and also in watercolor. And I work in a kind of surrealist, magical realist style where basically that means... I have fantastical elements in my paintings. I also uh, paint in mostly portraiture and in a very narrative style. So my work, the goal of my work really is anecdotal, but anecdotal in the sense that I'm speaking to larger societal issues as well, but truly from the lens of my life experiences. And so I, I paint women and I paint them in ways that question our society's idea of womanhood, of femininity, um, and a lot of experiences that I have had in my life growing up as a woman from my perspective, mostly. And I use a lot of symbolism in my work. So primarily like this idea of like girly, girly um, symbolism 
I also do a lot of different things where I manipulate color and I manipulate specifically skin. And I say skin, it's not that I'm putting something in high chroma or anything like that. I change the color of skin on models because I think skin can be representative, especially in womanhood of, you know, cause we wear a lot, we wear makeup, we wear second skin where, you know, we can wear a lot of faces and this idea of skin and it being a different color and showing that otherness and showing that moment where you're just, you're not fitting in. Right. And you're trying to fit in, but your, your true skin is showing. And I call them, I actually, I called them for a long time, my green girls, but I do a lot of different, um, color combinations. I've been playing around a little more with different color combinations and things like that. And just deciding what really works and speaks to the overarching concept of the work. I still, I always come back to the green skin though. I will be honest with you there. Um, I think, did I hit enough that maybe they could visualize it a bit? Yeah, I think so. But okay. yeah, yeah. But I think the idea of the otherness, that's such an interesting way to describe your work. Cause I, I like having seen your work, I understand that completely. That's such a good description because mm-hmm. it's like, it's not just, oh, this is a beautiful image. And actually, actually, did I have this question on the list? I can't remember. But how important are aesthetics in terms of like making a beautiful image? Like, is mm-hmm. that important to you? Or is it more about the actual story behind the image? That's a really good question. Um, for a long time in my artwork, I, because of my studies, I went to programs that were very highly focused on concept and conceptual work. And for a long time, I really just, all that mattered to me was the concept and portraying that concept and putting a lot of symbolism into pieces, almost too much where like the, it was getting muddied. It was getting um, too, too much to over, over, trying to overdo it. Right. And I forget when it happened. Must've been like about five years ago. I just decided I was like, the concept is King, but I really want to, I want to start thinking in series and I want to start cleaning up these series and making them more this series in this way, this series in this way. And really thinking about the, palette that I'm using and the look that I'm using and making it a little more aesthetically pleasing, but just as like an aftermath of cleaning up the concept, if that makes sense for me. I mean, it's so funny. I come from, my parents are just, you know, very supportive, but they don't understand, right? They're, they're not artists. They don't, understand in there they're like why don't you just paint something pretty like what about something really pretty that someone would have like hang on there I was like I think they're pretty you know so it's really funny (laughs) obviously what I find aesthetically pleasing and what someone else finds aesthetically pleasing are always going to be different so I kind of I've never worried about making something like aesthetically over overarchingly universally beautiful I think what I make is beautiful but as an aftermath to the concepts but i'm like beautifully ugly is what i would like to say beautifully dark um my work isn't really meant to be it's supposed to show 
the messy side of being a woman, but covered in the beauty. I always say like sugar and spice and everything nice is what Mm. girls are told to be. And even when everything's falling apart, you know, get dressed, put your makeup on and, you know, I, you know, I don't do any of that stuff, (laughs) but, um, women are held to such a standard, such a high unachievable standard. And I, Mm. and that's the goal, hopefully is the goal of the painting is to show this beauty and ugliness together if that makes sense <laughs> the idea of beauty and ugliness so this is the thing so i've spoken to a lot of artists well a lot of artists who create particularly a lot of female artists actually who create work about being a female and the idea of like the female perspective and i'm just kind of really curious like why do you think it's such an important mm-hmm. topic and why is art a good medium to use to explore it oh that is such a good question okay <laughs> all right so I, women's, okay, I'm, listen, I'm going to do my best because I am not a women's studies major or sociologist, but I have read a lot um, and I did take a bunch of sociology courses to better understand my experience. It really helped me to understand my experience through the lens of not being alone uh, and that other people are experiencing similar things to what I had experienced. And for me, I think the visual medium of art is incredible for sharing women's experiences because as women, our things that we experience and how we're socialized to fight, to interact with other women as well as with men and specifically other women is we keep everything hidden. It's in the shadows. It's it's the snide remark that could be construed as nice, right? Um, It is very secretive. And I've actually read a lot of sociological books on this topic. um, And uh, just basically talking about how girl, it's, they call it girl world policing and how we have this society norm. And it's actually really interesting that when you're growing up as a female, bullying is known as girl world policing. We're policing each other to fit into this narrow image in a patriarchy, right? Mm. And we don't know that that's what we're doing, right? We're not doing it on purpose, but we make sure we keep each other in check and it's all quiet. Whereas for a long time, like when, especially when I was a young girl, the boys were caught for bullying because they were hitting and it was very physical and outward. But the, the, female bullying no one knew about right it was in the shadows it was silent it was quiet it was like this dirty secret right and I felt like I had this dirty secret all the time through my whole life where my friends were never my friends um Hmm. there's a really great book called odd girl out and that was like truly my experience it's like you're in this friend group but you're not in it right Hmm. you're 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 the you're the odd one out you're the one that's God, it, the best example is actually Mean Girls. Mean Girls yeah. is based on a sociological study. Uh, the book is called Queen Bees and Wannabes. Incredible book. It's what Mean Girls was based on. And this Queen Bees and Wannabes really does talk about this, the female structure of friendships and how the bullying is there. It's just a different form than in um, it is often seen in, in male 
cases, right? And so this idea of being able to paint it and visually see it, I think is incredible. So I do think that is like an, a really, really important part of being able to make art about this subject. Now, I am a girl stan. I mean, I'm all for women. And um, even though my experiences with women growing up was really, took me a lot, a very long time to understand and to get into a healthy place with it. Um, but I do understand that it's, it's from this greater societal issue, right? That we as women are policing each other. So that's really what my work is about. It's from, it's from my experiences of being, feeling constantly lacking, constantly. I've already done something wrong and I don't know what it is yet. And I hate not knowing. And could you just please tell me what I did wrong? And these things that have happened in my life. And it's it's transformed a lot now in my older age, my work. And it's it's gone to even further, but it's always this underlying idea of my self growing up in as a woman in the world that I live in. So um yeah. And, and, and medical trauma now medical trauma has been added onto that. And that's a whole nother part that I'm exploring in my newest series, a lot of my new work in my newer series, but it still is at this base of like trying to be the perfect woman and the hidden failures because admitting a failure as a woman, I mean, it's just, it's really, really hard. And, and as women, we are held to such this perfect standard, like this perfect having to be perfect. So like, if you don't go, okay. Best example is being, I'm a mom, right? Stay at home. Moms can't win because, oh, you're so lazy. You get to stay home at all all day. And even though being a mother is what is the hardest thing in the entire world, in the entire world. Um, but oh, you should have a job and provide. But then if you go to your job, how dare you not spend time with your children, put them in daycare. So like you really there, you can't win. And coming to terms with that, making the art helps me to really come to terms with the fact that it's okay that I, that I'm, that I failed at so many parts of being a woman and in that, you know, quote unquote failed. Right. Um, and it's really helped me come to terms with that. But I, what I love about the visual medium of painting and art is to be able to show what's in here visually. See, you can see here, you can see here just by looking at the work. So I often, I, I love talking about my work, but I also love when my work just does the talking for me sometimes. And I think I find it so fascinating when someone approaches it and they just get it. I don't have to say one thing and you you can just approach this and immediately see what I'm seeing. And I just think that is so incredibly magical. And it's what I absolutely love about art. You know, you're right, because art does have the ability to bring similar people together. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, because, you know, if, if I'm very honest, there are times where I have looked at uh, maybe like a really great painting of a really beautiful woman and being like, this is really nice, but it's also very boring. Without really taking mm-hmm. into without taking into account actually like what is the intent of this or like where kind of what kind of angle is the artist coming from? And one thing that I'm really mm-hmm. glad that I can do at least is get people talking about their work. So it's like 
you describing your work makes so much more sense to when I look at your work now. And it, it's actually now going to change the way I view your work. And because obviously oh, that's great. the female experience is not something I'm, you know, I have any indication of. But hearing right. you talk about it, I'm like, that makes so much sense. And oh, actually, that's actually a really interesting reason why you paint. So thank you very much. Because I actually really like that you're talking about it. It's like, that's that makes so much sense as well. And uh, it's just really fascinating to hear, like, actually, you're not so so the thing that I find very, very interesting is that it's not a case of like, let's create visually beautiful work. It's a case of like, <laughs> let's have a conversation. And I think that's where the interest for me and in your work lies, because it's not just a, oh, let's just talk about, you know, this really lovely, highly detailed, highly realistic photo, realistic image. It's like, oh, actually, my work isn't perfect because life isn't perfect. Let's talk about that. And uh, yeah, that's really exactly. cool. I like that a lot. I think that's really clever. And also just, you're very confident in the way you talk about your work, um, which I really appreciate because oh, thanks. it just paints, because I don't know, just the way you explained it, like paints, paints a great picture. And uh, yeah, Actually, I don't know, just the way, the way you said that, I was like, what, you know, I, I understand, I get this now. Because before it's like, mm -hmm. I look at it, because, okay, so it's interesting for me, because I look at it from a very different angle, obviously. So for me, I'm always, I'm really, really drawn to symbolism. I'm drawn to the colors. I'm drawn to the shape mm -hmm. of the canvases. I'm drawn to kind of mm -hmm. more, I guess, the outside of the work rather mm -hmm. than the actual depth of the work because that wasn't necessarily connected with me. I connected with it in a very different way. And actually talking about connections, like, mm -hmm. do you have a specific viewer in mind when you're painting? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I do and I don't because mm. I really love how you said you're still coming and having an experience with the work. And that's really important important to me that everybody can have an experience because it humanizes and I think we often I, this is awful to say but like we need to humanize women oh. and understand that women experience pain right uh that's something that is often not I don't know I I think it's it's hard to it's uh, oftentimes it's hard to take yourself out of yourself. Oh. And I understand. I think a lot of people, and it's hard to see through someone's eyes. I mean, that's how privilege works. Right. And I'm privileged and we in, in different ways and we all have our levels. Um, but I love that my work can speak to anybody and can humanize and can bring us together and can let us have a conversation. Like you said. Um, but I want, when I'm painting, I want to speak to the little girl that I was in middle school and to show her, oh gosh, the things that I thought, you know, that I, I was the only one and that I was unlovable and unlikable and like no one else experienced, like, I didn't realize how universal my experience was so much more universal than I knew. Um, and so that's really who I'm thinking of. And that's why I choose the shape panels that I work yeah. on. Um, mirror like mirrors like mirror of shape the, circle mirror, the, the the arch specifically is what oh. i'm doing more and i don't want to do like an ornamental mirror or like a very obvious mirror i wanted it to be very 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 subtle yeah. but it's this like look into the mirror kind of oh, thing um that makes so much more sense right and so that's where i go with that uh color palette wise it's just this idea of girly right that the the, the pink tacks um, pink being forced on girls, but also girls experience with pink. And we all have different experiences, which I think is so, that's my new fascination right now is 
everyone's association with pink for some reason pink is such a weighted color um when color really it's just a color right it's just another color but pink is it's so funny this I saw this TikTok and I laughed out loud and it said are you the pink sister or the purple sister and for me my sister was the pink sister and I was like the orange and yellow sister not not purple but it's the same idea the first, the, you know, the older sister is the pink daughter, right? Everything was pink. Everything was pink. And then I came there like, I guess we'll give her this color. But, you know, um, it's so funny to me. And I always wanted to be the pink girl. And pink, I just, I wanted to be the pink girl so bad. And I just was not the pink girl. I was so obviously the purple sister, right? Or, you know, whatever the symbolism is behind that. And and then how pink, some girls completely, absolutely reject pink. Amy could hate, could could not hate pink more. And I find that so fascinating. It's just a color, you know, and I, I think, so for me, color is really weighted in my pieces, of course. And I think just also from color theory and from an art, art history standpoint, but also just from a societal standpoint, the shape of the, the panels is really important to me. Um, there's also some religious elements in my work and I think they're, they're very slight. They're very minimal, but if you went to 12 years of Catholic school like me, they might be more obvious to you. Um, so there is some of that, like this, gosh, another way to be perfect, this perfect, clean, you know, girl. Anyway, um, so arches and, you know, stained glass and the colors of stained glass and some of the beauty and the symbolism and all those things are so deep um, and they come out. So I have so it's so funny I talk about my work and I was like well there isn't just this one thing there's also mm. this thing and then like, what about this thing over here and this thing over here and it really truly at the end of the day it's just like all the mishmash that made me this like wild person in front of you you know and that's what the art is and and hopefully I think there are it's not going to be super universal right but there's going to be that middle school mm. Gina right girl that is in Catholic school in her uniform and can look at that after sitting every Friday in church and looking at the stained glass and, you know, zoning out, let's be honest, and thinking about and seeing that and saying, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm not alone. I actually think that is one of the beauties of social media. I think social media has a lot of downfalls and a lot of pitfalls, but there was one thing that really blew my mind when I got onto TikTok, especially on TikTok. You know, Instagram tends to be this perfect snapshot of a perfect world, whereas TikTok can be a lot messier. And in the comments of this one thing, and some people were saying, I realized only after joining TikTok that I've had not a single unique experience in my entire life. I loved that. I said, I I always felt so other. And this idea, no, no, I, I'm not, I don't have any unique experiences. I'm not this like anomaly to the world that doesn't fit in anywhere, right? I just haven't found that yet. And now as an adult woman, I've, you know, found, made my way, of course, but I, I really want my work to, to speak to that person or those people that need it, that need it, if that makes sense. And I, I love if it speaks to everybody, of course, but really that's the goal when I'm making it is for my inner child. That's really precious. That's really precious. 
and not just that like i love your excitement about talking about your work like that's the thing i can tell from the way you talk about your work how much it means to you and that is because it's based not narcissistically off you that that's the interesting thing it's based on your experiences but it means so a lot to you which is the best way to create work so i guess my next question for you i guess probably my logical question is like who are the women you paint they tend to be women that are mostly in my life right um they're not I, I I call for models, but you know they're within my art world, and I was finding models. I find models all over the place, right? Because I I don't have a ton of money, so they have to be and they have to be models that are okay with just you know getting their picture taken and coming to my house, getting a photo shoot. And so I found models at my job, you know, that are that model, you know, for my students, and if someone, you know, their look speaks to me and that they're representing somebody that I haven't painted yet, um, a POC person I haven't painted yet, then I'll ask, you know, I always, I try to ask, you know, as respectfully as possible. And they all, they're always so kind. So I found models there of, I've weirdly my son's babysit, my, my boy's babysitter. We met her through friends. She was watching my friend's kids. And so she came to babysit one day and I looked at her and said, I, I have to please, like, this is such a weird request, but I'm an artist. You could see, you know, you're at my house. Um, would you model for me? Is that okay? And so right now she's my current muse. I would say, I know that sounds really weird, but just, I mean, everything about her, I find the most fun to paint. I'm just obsessed with her look. I I'm, I know that sounds really strange, but um, I just think she's like, so right now she's my current model. And I do like to do that. I like to stick to a model for a series if I can. Oh. I, and I have another model that is my other obsessed, my obsession model, um, who's my husband's best friend's wife. So she, she comes and does it for free. Bless her heart. <laughs> but my, my son's babysitter, I, obviously paid. I said, this is what I usually pay. And she's so nice. She's a young, uh, she's a young girl that goes to the local, um, university here. And she said, no, my friends are art major. I have friends that are art major. So she completely understood she's modeled for them. That makes it a lot easier, you know, mm -hmm. cause I do a lot of things to my models for my reference shoots. You know, I'm, I pour, I'm pouring stuff on their faces and tape. And I mean, I do everything under the sun to get like the exact photos that I want. So it, I like when they're good sports about it. Uh, so, yeah. So right now that's really what I do with my models. It's, it's for me, it's not really about the face as much anymore. I mean, I do like if, when I find somebody I like to paint, then I will paint them a lot. So, it, I, you know, um, and I like to show representation, you know, I'm trying to show more representation in my work as well. I think it's really important, even though the work is autobiographical, I do think it's important. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that answered your question. But It did. It's yeah. The funny thing about your answers is that you always provoke more questions. And I'm like, oh, how long does this <laughs> want to be? Five hours later? No. Um, <laughs> that has happened plenty of times before. So it's a possibility. Not today, but it's a possibility. Um, but I'm kind of really curious because like, how do you go about kind of having your work, you know, have a wide representation without making it seem like it's just a collection of just different women? Mm. 
That's interesting. Just a collection and how they're, I think because I do the green skin so much and I do a lot of stylistic choices, the flat hair, uh, the colors, the compositions, I think they all still feel very cohesive, but I don't have tons and tons of models. I won't do a different model for every painting. Like I said, I, I, I will probably use these two models for a lot of art, big, gigantic series, and then we'll see. And I always reevaluate um, when I find that I'm coming to the end. And I never know when a series is coming to the, an end. It, it Sometimes it happens abruptly. Sometimes I get, you know, it takes me a while. But um, when I feel it, it's just like a feeling. Um, then I usually, then I'll start reevaluating, you know, maybe I should start looking for new models, models that fit. If I get excited about a new series and I will evaluate what the idea is and what models would fit really, really well. Um, so yeah, it really just depends on the painting. I think the idea, the look that I want to go for, um, and then I choose the model, but Right now, I have a, such a huge stockpile of reference photos of these two models that I and I have so many paintings that I want to make with these reference photos that I mean I don't even know I don't even know when I'll be needing to, to the yeah needing so, to even hire a new model. So okay, which I think well, in which order yeah. should I ask you these questions? Okay, so let me start with this one because I think this one will. Conclude this and I move on slightly to the next thing. Okay. So what does a painting do that a photograph doesn't do? What does what? What does a painting do that a photograph doesn't? Oh, that's a really, that's, you know, that's the age old question, right? Because there's a lot of those hyper realists that you're, uh, you know, they get that question a lot on their, sorry, on their Instagrams. You know, why not just take a photo? Like what, what's the point? For me, my work is, the photo reference and the finished painting are so far apart from each other that, I mean, if I were good at digital, if I could do digital work, you could say more so, why why, why wouldn't you digitally manipulate all this together with all your reference photos and everything? And yeah, I, I could. I could, it wouldn't be the same. I don't think, cause I think there's something to the meditative process of the painstaking, um, mind numbing detail, the, the time consuming aspect. And I also think there's something to oil paint, to the texture, to the, the shine, to the smell, to the whole experience of an oil painting and the experience of seeing my hand, my brush strokes, and how I put it all together. And I'm not a tech savvy artist. I do my best. I have my couple things I know how to do. So I wouldn't be able to achieve what I want my paintings to look look like digitally. It's so funny. If you saw my reference photos, you'd be like, actually, my one friend who is an adjunct with me, She's an incredible, you know, very, very beautiful, classically realistic painter. And she said, she was like, can I see your process? I really would love to see your process. And I showed her the all these photos that are just like on my computer. She's like, how does this, 
how are you getting this mess into a painting? I was like, it makes sense in my brain. I don't know. Uh, You know, this is how it makes sense to me. So for me, it's, it's, it's about the, the hand of the artist, my interpretation and how I stylize things. I wouldn't really consider myself. I know I have realism aspects. Of course, my work is pretty realistic, but I still have a stylization. I, I still, you know, the way I see things is not necessarily how my friend would see things or, or things or how a hyper-realist would see things. So I definitely still have this stylization that I I don't exaggerate it at all, but I don't fight against it. I said, this is how I paint. And I, I love a painterly painter. Actually, if when I go, to, when I'm drawn to a painting to look at, at an art gallery, at a museum, I love those really painterly paintings. It's just not me. I, hmm. I don't, I can't work that way. I don't know why. And I, I've attempted it, of course, but um, I am not a painterly painter. So I think that's something really interesting where a photo and a digital piece just can't do. We're just naturally going to have a different hand. And I try to teach my students that you're not going to paint like me. And that's not the goal. The goal is to not learn how to paint exactly how I paint because that's not really possible. Mm. Everyone's going to paint and see and see very, very differently. I I, I will let the hyper-realists battle that battle in their comments because um, hyper-realism and, and photographic realism, photorealism, you know, that's even a finer line, of course, to like, why why not just a photo? And they have their reasons. And I think everything's valid, of course, and every type of artwork. But I'll let them battle that one out. My work is, you know, I like seeing my mistakes, right? Mistakes, quote unquote. Um, I like seeing where I'm not masterful in certain spots. And I like that. I like those little details. I've embraced, I've learned to embrace that, I should say. That's <laughs> Actually, really fascinating. That's a really good answer. And there's there is a reason I asked that because mm. I do photography. Um, so I'm always oh, curious. So I'm always curious why people just don't not why people don't take why people don't use photography, but it's like like what purpose photography plays in art as well as art playing in photography. So I'm always interested in that question. Oh, um, absolutely. And I have so much respect for photographers because I can't do it. I, mm. I people don't realize. I think a lot of people, they think, oh, you're an artist. Like, you can, no, no, I am not a photographer. Like, I can't. Uh, that is a completely different way of seeing. And actually, when we when we teach composition, we talk about, like, photo, photographer composition is a whole other level of composition mm. than, than um, painting composition. We, we have similar um, concepts that we follow, but photography composition is so, is so incredibly important. And... Um, Anyway, I, they're just two different art forms. And I think they're both beautiful, really both beautiful, truly. I just, I am the world's worst photographer. I don't know what is, I don't, white balance, I couldn't tell you, light, I, I couldn't tell you. I do what I can do, you know? Like I say, I stay in my lane. You yeah. know, I, I do take photos for my references, but if a real photographer, I would die. I could never let a real photographer watch what I do. I, I would <laughs> I would die of embarrassment because really I am not. <laughs> I forget I have to see this now. But I'm curious, like, would you ever share that? Because there are going to be a lot of artists that are going to be following you that are going to be in exactly the same boat. That's really interesting. Um, oh, God. 
I've had this conversation a lot with um, a mutual artist friend who is a photographer and a really incredible oil painter, incredible oil painter. And, but she's also a photographer. Not only is she a photographer, but she has a photography business as a wedding photographer. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. I, I, I can't even believe it. And she actually got hired to be an adjunct professor at a local art school, different than my art school, but to do a class for reference photography for artists, mm. how to take your reference photos. I told, I've told her many times, I'll tell her to her face again. I need to take that class. Help me. <laughs> I mean, listen, I have a very specific, I, I do, I know what I need to do to get what I need to make mm. the painting that I will make. So I've, I've honed a very weird system. <laughs> yeah. That's probably very wrong, but it works for me and it's what I do. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And I think the school that she teaches for, teaches at is so smart to offer that class, incredibly smart. And she loves teaching it. She shared some of her students work and I'm just like mind blown by that. Um, I think it's really smart. I do think it's the future. I just, gosh, I, I couldn't, I'm not the authority on that. I couldn't do it. I'd have to leave it for her and even for a bunch of my other friends. Uh, yeah. What I say is, you know, you get yourself a good light, hmm. have a good room where you can control the light, especially if you don't know what you're doing. I uh, have a really good light that a diffusing light and then like a natural light. I have a great light that I have to have and a Gosh, it was a decent camera 10 years ago, and I still call it a good camera, but it's probably, yeah. it's, it's no, it's probably really bad now, but it just a um, job. Yeah, it does the job. And that's really all when I take reference photos, I just need my job done. I need mm. a, I need my pictures to look a certain way. And then I take them and I put them into Photoshop and I'm not great at Photoshop, but I know what I need to do. To get them again, yeah. I have my process that I've been honing forever, and I, I'm always willing to get better at it and to try new things and to learn. Uh, I really know that the next thing I need is a new camera, but um, they're expensive. They're so expensive, and oh, it's really, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to justify for me because of what I do, right? Yeah. Like I use yeah. it for so little but it's also so insanely important especially when um photographing especially. um that is big this challenge right now with my current camera situation i'm like two seconds from taking it there's a place here where i live i live in philadelphia and i'm two seconds from taking my art there and you can pay them to photograph and high-res photograph edit and also high-res scan your work for you and edit it and give you the files. I'm like two seconds from just being like, I got to pay you to do this. I'm so close. I, I think one day that's the goal. I make enough money that I can go and just say, hey, can you do this for me? Because I'm, it's it's my biggest struggle. I would say not my biggest. I have a lot of big struggles. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> but yeah, the photographing process is it's uh, yeah it's really really hard my best advice to artists that are also struggling would be just you know get what you need 
yeah. if that makes sense. Get yourself the light that you need. Find your system that works for you, that makes sense to you. Um, if you have a friend that's awesome at photography, I had friends that were really, really good. And I never use them because I have such a weird little system. But my one friend used to do swaps with them be like, Hey, take my reference photos. I, you know, they would do it together, but you know, help me take my reference photos and I can help you with this. And you know, they have yeah, a course. system, which is yeah. really great. So I would just say, you know, work out a system. And if you have arts, a community, and if you have somebody that can help you even better. <laughs> I like that. I think that's a really great looking yeah. at it. I think actually the idea of like photographing your work and particularly like packaging your work, I think they're the kind of like elements to being an artist that people don't really talk about. Yes. But yeah. They're, they're probably some of the most important elements. Like knowing mm -hmm. how to package your work so it's not going to be damaged, knowing how to photograph your work so people are going to be interested, and also knowing how to present your work as well. I think that's also yeah. super key. Um, so I want to get to in a little bit. But before that, like, do you feel like the more older you get, the more honest your work gets? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and the less you can't, you, you, oh, God, I shouldn't swear, but the less you no, give you can a, swear. Yeah, no, you can yeah swear. the less you give a fuck yeah. what people think. Yeah. that's the most important is when you stop caring what people think you know i think that's the most important Which, um that's when the art can get really raw and honest yeah i you gotta you just can't care if people like it great if they don't they don't and that's okay not everyone's gonna like your art and that's something that is hard to come to terms with when you're young i think you want everyone to like it and not everyone's gonna like your art you know you're not gonna fit in everywhere I show more on the West coast because that's where my art fits more. And, you know, and you have to find where your, your niche and the people that like your work are going to like it and they're going to like it when it's honest. So how do you align this idea of just like trying not to care what people think with, I need to create something that is actually going to make me some money. <laughs> see, well, see, and that's where, okay. That's where I have a very different situation. Right. Then I, my friend and I talk about this all the time, my best friend, because her situation is she has to make money. My situation is it's okay if my paintings never sell. I want them to sell. That's the goal. I really do. I want them to have another life and I want someone to like them and to appreciate them. But the end goal for me is not sales. It really isn't. It's to show, have my work be seen, touch somebody that I hope it touches that needs to see it. Um, teach and and paint. I just really love to paint. I I wish I could get rid of all the other things and just be a painter and be honest and you know, and I am honest with my work, but I wish there was more. It was just like the purity of just painting. Uh, gosh, in the day when like you had a patron and they paid for you to live and you just painted what you know, mm. that that's such a, you know, a pipe dream, of course. But my my best friend, you know, she has to make money and she gets so frustrated. She's like, all I want to do is make these big, incredible paintings that are just what I want and doesn't matter if they sell and I can price them what they really should be priced at. But I'm stuck here making all these small originals and killing myself and, and, and becoming this machine. Mm, yeah. Because I have to make money. I have to make rent. And I, I feel so I feel for her because there's something so luxurious about my life where I can just paint what I want to paint. And See, that's that's really interesting because from my perspective of your work, like I can, like, so I went to an art fair probably last week um, mm -hmm. and I can definitely see your work fitting in there. 
And mm. actually, one thing that the fair has taught me is actually all the artists that I know whose work can really be very much exhibited. It may not sell, but to be exhibited. Mm. And I think that's kind of interesting because, you know, like the fact that you don't have to, quote unquote, have to sell your work, that doesn't take away from the, the amazingness of it. Yes, but I also, right. but I also do wonder if I'm honest, like, does this point of privilege of you not having to worry about sales actually harm the idea of artists who actually do need to make money? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. Because hmm. I do think at the end of the day, I think conceptual art and honest art is always going to have a place. And and yes, do I sell my work? Absolutely. I of do. Course. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't sell my work as, as, you know, like my friends who have to sell to make money. Yeah, it, like it they have rent, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's different and, and does that, hmm. That's a really good question. I don't know, because I think people will still want to always buy originals. Hmm. I think there's always going to be that market. And my friend does sell her work. So I think she's she'd like to be able to make more work. But my one friend did say something really on point that I think is really interesting. And he always said, you when you're doing a gallery show or whatever, you still have to make the big, expensive, crazy piece. Hmm. Of course. That piece is great for publicity. It brings people in. And then you have a lot of small pieces. He and, and that resonated with me so hard because I thought, yes, that's exactly it. And and my friend now she does do that. She she's implemented that after hearing I've told her, I told her that when I, you know, now she'll she'll still do a big solo show. She has a big one coming up and she'll do these the big crazy ones that she always wants to do it's just most of the year she has to put those aside and make her little ones but she still makes them because the big ones do sell the smaller work because people want they see this big awesome thing and you get a lot of publicity if you make something big and awesome or it doesn't yes. even have to be big, right but the yeah. idea this awesome piece that's like truly you and that will get potentially featured in magazines or talked about and all that great stuff. And now that piece probably won't sell and usually doesn't, but it could sell all the little pieces and can, you know, that can be really, really helpful. My friend had said that to me. I'm not going to claim that as my own words because my friend, my very, my very good friend told me that. So that's not from me, but I've always found that to be very true. Now I do participate and I think all artists do, even if it's not important for you to sell, I participate in a lot of different shows. I, I participate a lot in affordable art shows. So that's my way of like, I will make small pieces that are a little more accessible that, and hopefully they sell and, you know, all that good stuff. So um, I do think I'm quite, keep getting a lot of, um sorry, spam calls. Sorry. Um <laughs> I do, I do know that I'm from, I, I have a place of privilege. Absolutely. I, I am aware of that. And I think I'm very thankful for my, my place of privilege. I really am because yeah. I see my friends struggle. They have to make and make and make and make and make. And it's, it's really, really, really hard. And, you know. That wasn't a trick question. I was just actually just curious. Oh, yeah. that. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. actually, maybe I should, I should, and I was kind of debating whether I should ask. And I was like, well, actually, why not ask? Because. If you don't ask, you don't get. So it's just that I'm just curious oh, about absolutely. your perspective. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know if I've even asked, answered the question that well, but I think no, my perspective fine. is just, yeah. It, 
That's cool. I, think, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't even sure if you were going to answer it, so I was like, let me ask. Yeah, I think there's a place for all art. And, and oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. that's that, that wasn't... Just just to clarify, that wasn't like any kind of judgment or any kind of like oh, advice. Of no, just, I'm just I'm just curious because you said that and I was like, oh, actually, this would be a good idea to ask this question. So do you have any particular routines that you you do that help you create your work? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, they're not as strict as they used to be, of course, because I'm a little busier. But um, yeah, I, I keep a sketchbook. I keep a sketchbook or journal, whatever works for you. My sketchbook and journal are kind of the same exact thing. I write, I sketch, um, I read a lot. I mean, and by read, now that I've had little kids, I don't really have time to read as much physical books, but I listen to audiobooks constantly. I'm always trying to, I, 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 I tried to travel a lot, especially when I was younger. And I, I try to take my life experiences and everything that's happened to me. And I, I document in my journals and my sketchbooks and my routine really is to just, if I have an idea, I got to get it down. If I have, you know, every time I have a good idea, I, I grab the sketchbook and I get it down as quickly as I can. And then I will, what I do is I, I start, what I love to do is I, I'll, come up with the ideas. I'll get them sketched out. I'll think about it. I'll look through my sketchbook. I'll pick and choose what I want to work on. I'll book the model. If I don't have reference photos and I need reference photos, um, I'll do that. And then what I love to do is I like to start two, three, four paintings simultaneously. And I like to have a lot of work going at once. And I, I go through them and I like to work through those until they're done. And then I'll go back then to my sketchbook and say, okay, these are ideas. And usually when I'm working on those four, I've had a bunch more ideas that I've then put mm-hmm. into the sketchbook. And then I'll go back through and I'll look through everything that I've written, um, quotes and things that have happened to me, memories, suppressed memories that maybe come mm-hmm. to the surface, all those good things. And I'll flip through and if I need ideas, but usually the ideas are in there. I just have to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I have like four other painting ideas in here. Let me pull them out now that I've finished this, these four or these three and let me get these started too. And that's really my process. I'm, and if I ever find, oh gosh, I have no more ideas. I, I just say, grab your sketchbooks. I have a big pile. <laughs> grab nice. your sketchbooks and go through them. And sometimes I don't pick an idea even from them, but I it, they generate another new idea. If I have a dream, and, and I don't mean like a dream, deep slumber, you wake up, oh my gosh, what a crazy dream. But it's like that, you know, when you're falling asleep. Yeah, the hypnagogic state. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And or at first thing in the morning when you're awake asleep, I get a lot of really good ideas in those moments and I'll just write them down. I don't necessarily even make half of them, but I make sure I have them jotted down. I make sure I have them places where I can get to them. And and like I said, I'm always searching. I'm always reading, listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, and going to art galleries and um looking at our history. I, I've learned actually quite a bit. I now I teach so I'm a fine, you know, I have a BFA and an MFA, but I teach illustration now at um, the Multiple Heart. And because I think my work skirts 
a line of fine art and illustration. And it skirts a line of like a lot of different things. And I think that's why I've kind of, I'm in my own little category. But I have learned a lot from teaching the illustration. I've learned a lot from the illustrators, a lot. And I think that's really interesting. And I've been researching illustrators, historical illustrators and illustrators and practicing illustrators way more than I ever have. I think that's been really, really interesting. I actually, there's this artist named James Gurney and he makes these incredible, he's an illustrator. He makes these incredible tutorial videos that you can buy and watch. I watched two of them because we play them for our students for their one final project. I, I could watch that a hundred times his process and the way his mind works. I, I I'm really, I've, I've really been blown away. And, and now having the two little boys and reading children's books, mm. reading massive amounts of children's books and seeing all these different forms of illustration, it's really inspiring. I, so I'm always looking at everything around me and absorbing and never taking everything's always from me, but it's really helped me embrace my, my stylizations and my things that I do and really love that I do them. And yeah, so I think really my process is to absorb, reminisce, memories and 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 to make sure I write everything down and then I have this stockpile and I don't think the stockpile will ever diminish because it's always being added yeah. to yeah so do you ever show your sketchbooks no oh gosh my sketchbooks <laughs> I laugh about this because my illustration students have these beautiful sketchbooks oh my gosh collaged drawn gorgeous drawings and there's there's sketchbook shows out there i think spoke art does this really cool sketchbook art show my sketchbooks are not like that i always say to people if you saw my sketchbook you would never think i was an artist never and you would you would think i was a bit insane because it does not make i mean the words are written turned up it is insanity and my sketching it, I'm not sketching for it to look like anything. Yeah. It's just to get the idea down. And then I write, oh, I want this. And I write, my sketches are so incredibly messy and fast and like almost stick figure They're very stick figure I don't take time on my sketches because but I want. That's so fascinating like, though. But like, that's perfect because like, how cool would it be to see like a really, really rough sketch, illustration, words, phrases, and the final image that came from that? like side by side would be fascinating because that's like your mind and your process. And you don't right. have to show, you know, you, you know, maybe like if you did that over like a voiceover of a reel or something like that, like that'd be awesome. I'd be. Yeah. I did that. a couple TikTok videos <clears throat> where I showed the sketch and it, like, it was just sound like, how oh. does this turn into this or something? I did that hmm. a while ago. They didn't, you know, I, they, they did okay. You know, whatever. I don't really judge engagement on social yeah. media as like a good idea for a video, but yeah. the hard part is, is sometimes I combine like six of the ideas and uh, then I, I don't see. do a new sketch for it. Right. I don't ever do a new sketch. I just, I'm like, Oh yeah, this idea, this idea. Okay. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Let me, and let me grab my photos and let me grab my references and let me get going and drawing. So I, I do, I've done that a couple times, but not, not like 
as formally um, because my sketchbook, oh gosh, my sketchbook. And and I envy, I, it's so funny. All the things that I don't do in my own art practice is like the art that I love. Like I am, I get like obsessed with seeing other people's sketchbooks. Hmm. My students are like, I was like, can I look at your sketchbook? They're like, okay. I was like, thank you. And I love looking at their sketchbooks because it's something I don't do. I mean, I do, I have like, I have so many sketchbooks filled, but it's just not, I think there's this artist on Instagram. I don't know her personally. Her name's like Mab Graves. And she used to do videos, Instagram, where she would, when she would finish a sketchbook and they would be like multi-part videos because they were, you know, big sketchbooks filled and she would flip through all the pages. Yeah. I, I, I would be blown away. I was like, you spend so much time on your sketch. Where do you have the time to spend on your sketchbook? I, I, it, I love that. I love looking, <laughs> but I, I think it's because it's where I wish I was more like that. And I I've come to terms with like, the, this is my process and it's yeah. okay. You know what I mean? But um, gosh, I'm not a sketcher. I'm not a sketcher. It's so funny. I was a sketcher, I think in high school when I didn't want to pay attention in class, but uh, <laughs> otherwise but no, I no. always, I'm like, I want to get into the painting. I'm like, Oh, I want to get into the painting. I want to get into the painting. Um, that's always how I've been. And I'll be like halfway through a, a couple of paintings. Like right now I have like three paintings on my easel and I'm about like, halfway through one a third of the way through one and i'm just like i'm itching to start a new one i gotta finish these i know i do but i just want to start a new painting you know what i mean like i can't wait to. that's definitely one thing i've noticed like you're so Mm -hmm. prolific and i know i've commented this before but you're so prolific because it feels like every time i look at your work you're creating something new and i'm like how (laughs) how is this possible and it's also the consistency is is constant like it's consistently amazing and consistently good but it's always something new and I'm just like how yeah I think I just especially since when I'm painting it's so meditative I'll be like painting on a painting and be like I have a new idea and I like keep my sketchbook right there for that reason and that's dangerous like I gotta get through Right. And then the whole time, the rest of the painting, and it's, they're painfully detailed and yeah. I'll be at that painful stage where I'm doing little flowers in a tiny fold and be like, can I be done? That I want to start my new painting. Oh, I get so mad at myself. And that's why I have to have three or four paintings going simultaneously because I really, oh gosh, I'm just like, I'd be too itchy to start a new painting and I might not finish a painting for that reason. And when I was younger, I would just not finish paintings. When I was younger, I have like a little stockpile. I think I sanded some of them down, but um, I used to have a little stockpile of like very unfinished paintings and, or like a, this much is finished or like, I, and, and my work is so drastically, I mean, there's no going back to them because it's just not even in the realm of what I do anymore. But I think. I used to do that all the time and I don't do that anymore, but I just think it's so interesting. I I have grown in that way. I will say that I've now found a process where I will finish paintings and be okay with being like, it's okay. The idea is in the sketchbook. It's there. It's not going to go away. 
you're going to get to it. And I've finally gotten better at that. But oh man, I use, I, I do still get that itch. I have an itch right now. I have two, two, three unfinished paintings. And I got this idea. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying to start it. But it's, I'm a long way away from starting it, of course, because I'm going to, I will need, I don't need the model because I have a photo that will work, but I have a lot of other references that I'm going to have to take to make this painting work yeah. and potentially need a larger size um, for it. I, I, I have to work that out. So I'm, I'm being patient with it right now because there's a lot of steps before I'll actually get to paint that painting. There are so many steps. So I'm like, okay, no, 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 just work on the paintings that don't have all those steps because all those steps feel very daunting to me right now right because I'm like oh gosh I have like to find the materials and make the the reference for yeah so luckily right now I'm at a position where I'm like no I'm okay I'm gonna that's that's in it's in my sketchbook I'll get to that idea right now I'm just because that's gonna be a lot of work to start that painting I really love your enthusiasm and your compulsion to create. It, it's it's just honestly, you're just talking to you is so refreshing. It's so nice because it's like it's nice to meet somebody who is just really excited about what you're doing. Like you're really excited, and, and like that's fun. Yeah, I'm a very excited person. I'm a very <laughs> I get very excited about things, but um, I think okay. So I will say I wasn't always like this. Yeah. That, like I said, I used to not finish paintings. I hear my baby. He's not crying. He's just playing in his crib. So we're okay. Um, I won't go get him yet, but um, I wasn't always like this. I used to be really self-critical, extremely. I used to hate everything I made as soon as I made it. I wouldn't finish pieces. I'd want to move on to the next. I'd be like, that idea was dumb. Why was I doing it? You know, move on to the next idea. Um, and grad school really helped me with that confidence. But I think what truly, and like the confidence and just like, making my own work and and really going into it but what really changed was I actually had a kind of a near-death experience not quite as dramatic as that sounds but a little bit after um I had my first baby I actually got I was very 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 ill and after that I just one it took my work to the next level that my work I think really needed having that experience even though it was a horrible horrible experience yeah. and you know through a lot of therapy and a lot of things to get past that and but it really changed how I looked at my work and the the importance I used to think well I'm what a frivolous life I lead you know I used to think hmm. that like what well, what am I doing to better the world and I was really hard on myself and I I still am really 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 hard on myself though it may not sound that way um and I used to be like Man, you could be doing so much what are you doing you know um but then I felt this like I finally felt the importance of my art after that experience and how important it could be and and doing these podcasts and talking about it and talking to my students and 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 using TikTok in that way and I'm good I'm trying to do it more what I experience and why and the importance. And like I said, like making it for that inner child and making it for that person. Um, Cause I wasn't always like this and I, I didn't always love my work. And I, and I have weeks where I don't love my work hmm. uh, where I could be doing better and making more and 
saying more and do, you know, um, but I'm at this place and I, I, I've, I'm very, very happy with the place I'm at with my work right now. And I'm very happy. And that experience, like I said, made me feel like there is an importance, a, a great importance to me making the work that I'm making and other artists who are moms and being that presence on social media was really, really important to show other moms who are struggling to, to keep up with their art. And I, I do think I feel that greater calling, if that makes sense. So I've, that does. yeah, I, I've been, I've been in a much better place with all of that. So I think that's what you're seeing in the interview as well. So I want to say to people that maybe don't feel like they're where I am right now, know that I wasn't always there. Yeah. And you, you'll get there one day and, and you'll get there in your time and no one's on the same time schedule either. See, that's interesting. So actually a few artists that I've put on the end of the internet that, um, who are good friends of mine, who are, who fit into this category of, um, artists who create from the feminine perspective, but could also do with guidance or they could also do with, you know, a more of a support structure. So, um, if you mm-hmm. at some point want to take a look at them, please take a look at them. I definitely suggest Pippa Harold Lynch, who is just such a lovely, just so lovely. Like particularly mm. her, like her work is gorgeous, but she's at that point where she's like just at the start of her career. And I personally feel like she could do with a bit of guidance. And there's other artists like Ellis King who would absolutely have a conversation with me about motherhood because that's what her work is about. And it's like it's interesting for me to see all these different artists and be like, oh, these people could go really nicely together and have a great conversation. Yes. Um. So absolutely. What I will end up doing is sending you a bunch of artists. Yes, please. I can't ask the question like, can you be too prolific? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. That's you need to. I don't. I don't know. I would say no, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So the reason I ask is because, as I said, you know, every time I see a post from you, it's something new. But mm-hmm. I always wonder, like, what do you do with that amount of work? Oh, that okay. Oh. That's a really, this is a really hard question because I, okay. I I think a lot of artists are going to agree with me when I say I must create. So like, even if I don't have a deadline or like a gallery show or any reason to do a painting, like I, if I get ideas and I make them right. But I do run into the issue of like, where do I put these paintings? You know what I mean? Like Mm. I paint a lot and, um, I think if what if I in future maybe I'll be showing a lot and have more solo shows or whatever it is, um, and I'll be able to sell my work even more. But I do run into the issue of storing everything, right? Where do I put these things? Yeah. And I've, but I still like I. It's like a sickness. I just got to create. I got an idea. I have to. I already am so excited. I told you last time that I'm so excited about like a bunch of ideas. But I'm like Gina, come on, finish. The, the ones that you have in progress. So it's something that I really struggle with because I just want to keep painting and, and I, I paint even if I don't know where it's going or what it's for, or, um, you know, so that's something I struggle with. I do know a lot of my, a lot of people, a lot of artists will burn old pieces, throw away, yeah. sand down, repaint, you know, yeah. sand and regesso paint. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think because we're always growing and our work no matter what your work's going to get better, right? The the more you work the, and the more it'll feel true to you. And, but 
and I, listen, I've thrown away art. I've thrown away a lot of art, a lot of art. (laughs) Now I tend to donate art more. I, I donate it for, you know, museums that are having, you know, fundraisers or, you know, I, I, I've been donating a lot more art and not really caring where it goes or what happens. But, you know, like I said, that's the privilege and a luxury, but yeah, I've thrown away a lot of art, you know, um, I really struggle. That's something I struggle with. I struggle with where am I putting all this art? What am I doing with it? that's a really hard thing. And can you, can you make too much? I don't know. I don't think so. I think the, the, you know, how I was taught in art school, um, and you can look at a lot of art critics, like, uh, Jerry Salt says a lot, you know, just keep painting, make a million paintings, just go and paint, go and work, you know? Um, so I think that's like how I was taught was just to like, Mm. just keep painting. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll have this amazing stockpile of art and one day it'll all have like a nice home or it'll all go somewhere. So I don't really, I don't throw away art anymore. I don't paint over. I mean, it's so, it would be very rare for me to sand something down and paint it over. I would have had to make like a really big mistake or like look at it and be like, this is just not at all what I intended it to look like. Or maybe it offended, God God forbid, offended somebody. Um, That would be another story, right? That would be like, I mean, I guess art can be offensive at times, but you know what I mean? I wouldn't want to offend people personally, but. Um, I don't, I have my thoughts about that. I feel like sometimes art can be made to offend and sometimes art can just offend because a person is sensitive. I think there are um, kind of like a range of, the thing about art is that everybody sees something different in an image. So if someone chooses to get offended, yeah, okay, it could be the artist's intention, but there's no clear definition of what the artist's intention is unless they've said this is for this reason. Absolutely. And there are, you know, I think there are really important places for subversive art, for offensive mm. art. Absolutely. It's not my path, but there have been times when I've made a piece that have offended people, right? Like, oh gosh, uh, you know, I've gotten my TikTok was banned because I, I painted female anatomy right of course, um yeah a, a, specifically a nipple the the piece was about my journey as an artist and a mother it was a four a, a four show called uh art of the art so like the idea was like the artist kind of the art behind the art right um mm. so for me that's being a mother and an artist and you know breastfeeding and juggling breastfeeding and oil painting and like safety and all of that stuff and like artist and mother being so entwined now in my identity anyway so that did offend and that's that's a point where I feel I did I should what and in hindsight I would have I should have censored I thought at the time I had read the rules of TikTok and it was like nudity and art is okay now they've changed that sense but um I was banned during that time when it still said that but in in hindsight I should have um censored it and or put a trigger warning or something because I do understand that it you know I I personally don't want to offend somebody or do something that would you know and if, and people are going to get offended of course they can come to a piece like I don't think a nipple's offensive I think mm. that's you know crazy but I do I don't that's just not my journey is to be offensive. So, you know, I think there were, now I wouldn't destroy that painting, of course, but, you know, I 
I've learned more and more being on TikTok since it is a young audience. And I want a young yeah. audience to see art for future generations. So I do feel like my presence there is important. And it's important for artists to be there so young people can look at artists and, you know, maybe in the future that could, I don't know, make more artists or more art appreciators or whatever it is. Um, but knowing that now, like if I did something that maybe like I do a lot of headless or cuts now, I will say, you know, trigger trigger warning like in the caption or you know maybe even censor just because it's just not my journey my journey is to have my art connect with people and not necessarily make them happy but confront them but not make them feel triggered or unhappy or you know and I don't know I guess good art's going to trigger people no matter what but it's I try I try to at least not be and and by offensive, I mean, like, I wouldn't want to make something, like, truly offensive. Mm. I, I don't think I would because of my – but if it was and somebody made a really good case to me, I, I'm very open to that. And I would be very open to saying, you know what, that this piece is, you know, whatever I did, that's not it. So, like, I haven't faced that in my art. Yeah. You know, I haven't faced that in my career. I haven't faced that yet. But, you know, I did get my t- – TikTok banned for portraying a female, you know, nipple. So like, I, I feel like I don't think that's offensive, but I censor it now. I mean, fair enough. But as, so there's a question for you now. I'm going to jump back into what we're talking about before this in a second. But a question for you in the meantime is like, so do you think that social media guidelines ruin creative freedom? I, I gosh, I do. And I don't but i do but i don't it's really hard so okay <laughs> the artist in me the artist in me the art historian the the things that i've learned censoring art to me feels very nefarious hmm. and i don't think we should be censoring art and especially female nudity and like the body it's just like making people ashamed of something yeah. that shouldn't be shameful um so the artist in me, absolutely not. I think that's so insane. Like, were we, you know, censoring the David? Or where where do we draw yeah. the line, right? And that really is a sticky situation. And I have artist friends who are just beaten down. Yeah. And they refuse to censor, which that's, I understand. I understand, you know. But then on the flip side, there's the mother in me. Yeah, of course. And there's got to be a way. I I mean, someone smarter than me, I hope, would figure this out. Because I do understand there's young kids on platforms, especially on a platform like TikTok, right? Okay, like Instagram, I think, could do better and could say there can be nudity in art, you know. Um, I know it's a big conversation that I don't try to say I have an authority on. I just know as the artist in me, I don't think art should be censored i think it should be what it is there's nothing disgusting about the human body um but the mother in me also knows that it is a platform with very young children on it on on tiktok now is a nipple that offensive i mean i really don't think it is but you know um i do understand like where do they draw the line how smart can they make the algorithm that it 
can just differentiate a painting of a nipple from like maybe Mm -hmm. something pornographic or whatever it is. Um, Is there a way that we can, you know, I guess the parents could not put, let them go on social media. I mean, it's, that's a really hard conversation. So I'm very torn just in the sense of TikTok art because of the young audience but also, yeah, art really shouldn't be, you know, you're going to an art museum. Let's say your parents are art appreciators and they take you to an art museum. You're going to see a nipple, you know, you're mm. going to see. Of course. And shouldn't that be normalized? So I, I'm really very torn. I don't think anything that I, I do that a child, like if, I, you know, painting of a nipple, like a any child could look at that and like, would that be so horrible for them to see? No, I don't think so. But I mean, with all the violence, like, what are we choosing here? Where are we drawing the line? Um, I don't know. So I would say since my my bottom line is I do think censoring art can, is mostly, I would say, nefarious. I, I think there's it's a sticky situation. And I, you know, I mean, in in Italy, I mean, gosh, like they have nipples on the television. Yeah. You know, it's just a different, you know, culture here in America versus anywhere else in the world or, you know, wherever else is like this. It, so it, it that one's hard. I, I do think, I don't think we should be censoring artists. I really don't, unless they're doing something. I mean, it's like truly offensive. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's something that's just really hateful, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Hateful in sense of like, you know, racist or, um, homophobic or transphobic. I mean, these are things like, come on, like in 2023, like maybe they're trying to say something with those, like, but I, I think hateful is it, there's a line, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, the line is very sticky in art though. Where does it become commentary and where does it cross that line into, you know, propaganda and hate and all that yeah. really bad, bad, nefarious stuff. So I don't know. It's, and I don't think social media is smart enough, right? Like the the algorithm or whatever else they do to like implement that. So social media is really sticky. And I, I don't know, like, do you play the game? Do you play the social media game or do you stand by your morals as an artist? I just know for me, I just censor it. And I then I don't have to, if I do do a painting, I don't typically, but every once in a while I'll do a painting of a nude feminine form. And if I do now, I know to censor it. So it doesn't. Right. I guess you can always redirect people to your website for the original. You and or the gallery. Hmm. And this maybe this is the this is when galleries, you know, need to have more importance placed on them. Galleries, museums, places where you can go see the original, the uncensored, and you know, and you go, you know, your parents could bring you and say, it's just the human body. It's beautiful. That's why they've painted it. You know what I mean? Like, um, I just, I don't think social media is there. And I think if you want to be on it and it is an amazing tool, you either have to, I don't know. Do you, yeah. Like the question really is, and I think I would leave that up to the artist, honestly, like for me, I'll just censor it and they can go to the, like, like you said, and you know, they can go to the gallery or my website and they can see the original that's not on this platform with, you know, community guidelines and all of that. And 
Um, but if, but I, I really commend the artists that don't play the game. I, I do. I, 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 it's not me, but, um, I commend the artists that are fighting the fight, Hmm. right. Fighting the fight to be able to unashamedly show their work. I know one personally, you know, I know one personally and I, I, I I have to commend her. It's not me. Hmm. I wish it was me. It's just not, you know, but you know, that's well said. Um, so (laughs) So the reason that we got onto the idea, or at least I asked you about being prolific, not only because yes. you are prolific, but I have a really good artist friend called Trills, and he's just uh-huh. quite recently, I think late last year, released a body of work called The Last Five Years, and it's something he's been working on, obviously, as you can imagine, for a long period of time. And it's these really highly detailed drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're absolutely gorgeous. They're so fascinating. Mm-hmm. But he's already moving on to his next series, and he's already planning his next series and thinking about right. it. And, I, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of, uh, we had a conversation a while back. Yeah. It just made me think of like, as somebody else who does a lot of complex work that takes a lot of time, like, do you prefer mm. to create work with an exhibition in mind or exhibit oh, work oh. after having created it? That's such a good question. That's an incredible question. Um, I see now what where your head's at. Um, okay. Such a good question. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Hmm. I used to, when I was starting out, Outside of graduate school, outside of undergrad, right? Like, let's say when I truly stepped in to being a practicing artist, right? Let's start there. I used to create work based, like I'd get into a group show. They'd say, here's the theme. I'm going to come up with something and make it, right? And especially since my, yeah, my work is time consuming. And I did that for, oh gosh, years, I think. Not I want to say I did that for like three years and I just, I didn't get burned out, but I just got done with it. Like I didn't want to do it anymore. I wanted to make art that I was super, super, super passionate about. Um, So now, of course, if I were to be asked to be in a solo show, that's a different story. Solo show, you are Mm. going to make the work that you want to make. um, And you will think about, it looking good together as a whole, as a series. And, you know, um, that's a different situation. I would love to do that because I think that's where I would really shine um, because I do work in series. I do work. Um, and I think they look much better in person than they do online. Not to be, that's not saying that cocky. I am just very bad. At, that always does. Almost always does look better in person. Right. And I, I do think, for me, like I really, truly think mine look much better in person where you can see my brush stroke and you can see yeah. and you get up close. Um, but, and, you know, I was supposed to have a solo show. So I was starting to create a series, you know, I was creating work for that. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and it just hasn't materialized again. But even so getting in, getting asked to be in group shows, I just make, I make work. If I get asked to be in a group show, I said, great, this piece has started. And yeah. that's it. And I, yes, they'll give you a theme. And I still, you know, if I, I always have two, three paintings going at once, and I'll choose the one that really feels like enough, like the theme, um, where I'm not disrespecting the theme, right? Like, I want them to feel like, yeah, I, I appreciate you giving a theme. I think that is helpful for some artists. But, you know, this is the work I make. You've asked me. And this is what I'm going to give you. Right. And that took me a long time. 
I thought I, I didn't have the confidence to do it before. I felt like I had to be like, so creative. I was like, you're not an illustrator. You're not an illustrator. You're not a graphic designer. You're not getting commissioned. Um, you're a fine artist and you're, they're asking you because they like your voice and they think you're going to fit in this group show. So if they believe you're going to fit, you can pretty much, you know, you're going to put in what you put in. And that really changed the game for me because now I don't paint for deadlines. I paint because I love to paint and I'm just going to continuously paint and post and, you know, um, but I, I really would love like what I'm hoping to work for work toward and what I've been wanting to work toward for a while is, and I've had solo shows in the past I've had, but I really want, like, I really, really want a big, nice solo show or a big feature or like where I can kind of sit down. I have maybe a year or nine months and I can just sit down and I can sketch it out. I can, you know, tack it up. I can think about how it would look good. How would they all talk to each other? How, you know, and I really, that excites me within like my imagery and my, you know, and then making that a show, you know, planning the anchor piece and getting something really large and smaller pieces that excites me. And I, that's something I really would like to do. It's been, you know, on pause for a lot of reasons, but that's kind of my next goal. So I think in terms of prolific, like, I don't think you can ever be, there's always a new goal. There's always a new series. There's always like, I could one day turn around and be like, I'm not going to be as detailed. Hmm. I, I want to like, I'm going to crank out like a weird, crazy series. That's like, a, I don't know. I'm not there yet, but you know, um, I think artists are the beauty of being an artist is you can just, you grow and evolve and you're always growing. You're always evolving. You're art. You're, you're not because I work with green girls now. I don't always have to do that. You know, I mean, right now that's my truth and I don't see that ending that soon, but one day I might wake up and be like, you know what? I'm going to do some very <laughs> painterly landscapes. I never would. <laughs> I don't think I ever would, but th- that's the beauty. Never of say it. Never. Right. If I needed a break, even if it was just a break, maybe I don't even show them or sell them. Yeah. You know, just give them to family, whatever. I give them art. I mean, left and right. You got a birthday coming up? I got it. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, though. That's so cool. So I never worry. I just make. I don't Mm. worry about. I, I used to, but not anymore. I don't worry. And then I, you know, people, I've sold pieces that are like six years old. All of a sudden, it you know, I'll randomly post it or, you know, or someone will see it and, you know, maybe it wasn't its time to sell it then, but it's, you know, so I have, that's happened quite a bit. You'd be surprised, you know. That is one thing that I've learned recently about the beauty of social media is that nothing mm-hmm. is, time. everything's timeless, even mm-hmm. though, and everything has this moment. And just because yes. you create something now does not mean that now is its time to be posted online or to be spoken about. Like, look at really terrible example, but look at music on TikTok from like twenty years ago, ten years yeah. ago, five years ago that's blowing up now. And it's like Absolutely. things like TikTok, particularly like music on TikTok, has given life to artists in a completely different way. And it's really, really interesting how generations, you know, generations in front of us will discover the mm-hmm. things that we're doing now, but through a different kind of route. 
which is weird because obviously when we were younger this obviously TikTok wasn't around we didn't like things like background music and artists blowing up through their use of just their music alone it wasn't a thing so the same thing for art like art is timeless we forget that because we put dates on things we're like oh this is so old but we forget yes. like somebody might be looking at your work for the first time in three years time and your work will be it's completely new to them somebody will be Absolutely. with you for the last 10 years so Absolutely. we forget that so easy i think i forget mm-hmm. that all the time me too i'll be like oh i'm so embarrassed about this old piece <laughs> yeah like my and and it's not I, you know what i what i tell myself and i've told myself for a long time i said well even picasso had a blue era right mm. so like i mean his blue era is not his cubism which made him but some people there's a huge um following for just his blue air and not his cubism so i always think about that i think about that maybe one day what will be my blue well maybe my green girls but you know what i mean like one day you know i'll be long dead but maybe like one of my old series will have a its day in the sun or i'll be forgotten and dead and buried and i won't care because i'll be dead so i'll be fine but you know um yeah and that's what i really love about art i love that it can have a life past me. Hmm. And and that's what selling, I think, is one of the hard things in the beginning, being an artist in the beginning, because selling's weird, you know, like you're like, oh, goodbye painting forever, you know, that I worked yeah. really hard on and um has all this meaning and I'll never see it again. And like my friend said that one time he was at a flea market and his painting was there, you know, oh. they have a life past you, right? <laughs> Like your art's going to go live a life. Once it leaves you, that's Mm. it. It's no longer part of you. Like I make it and it's done. It's like, it's part of me to a sense, but it's going to have its own life now. Like I created it kind of, God, it's weird. Like creating a baby. Right. Yeah. And that's something I'm learning from like reading a lot about gentle parenting and all this stuff about being a parent, but your child's its own thing. Yeah. I created it. Yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears. Right. Um, but they're human past me out of me. They're going to go off and live their life. And they're, they're truly like people call them um, little humans or yeah. uh, little adults. Cause really they are, they're no longer, I created them. They're mine in a sense. They're my DNA They're but they're their own people. They're going to go off and, and, live their life you know um not right now they can't wipe their butt yet but uh <laughs> eventually and that's kind of paintings like you they're going to go live a life and i think that that's actually what i love i love like i do think i would cry though if i walked into a flea market and saw my painting. i was gonna say so would you be unhappy if somebody paid for one of your paintings and destroyed it Yeah, no. I want to say no. <laughs> I want to say no because they've bought it. It's theirs now. But it is really, it's emotional. It would stink like yeah. that. It would hurt. It'd be sad. It's my little baby, my little creation, you know? Um, I'm going to have to say, yeah, it would, it would be sad. But at the end yeah. of the day, when they buy it, when a collector buys it or somebody buys it, it's theirs now. You know, I mean, it's my image, it's my name on it, you know, but, um, they can do it. They can give it away. They can sell it. I mean, and art gets sold. I mean, it does. Yeah. My one friend 
Adam's a big collector and he's got a really big art collection, but he wants to get a new piece. He doesn't have room or he's like kind of sick of a piece. He'll sell it. He'll yeah. sell a piece to buy a new piece. I mean, um, I don't know how much he does that, but he has done it and it does happen. And it's like weird, but also like, isn't that kind of what art's like meant to do? You know, and he, a lot of times he makes a profit because, you know, he's had it for 10 years and now he's going to sell it and make a little bit of money and then buy something else that he really, really wants. And um, I think life's going to hopefully your hope is, is that if they sell it or give it away, it's somebody that's also going to enjoy it and cherish it. And put it on their wall and look at it, you know, um, it's hard. It's such a weird thing being an artist. I mean, it really is. If you really sit and think about it, it's kind of a crazy, but I always, I have to say, I think when I feel sad, I think about fashion designers, that's their entire job. Like people wear it, get a hole, throw it away, you know? Um, so I think time is, fleeting you know i hope that my art will be around but it might not so talking about exhibiting actually as well like so how did you get started at exhibiting your work and kind of when did you know your work was good enough to sell or like start exhibiting that's okay so i don't think you ever know you just start i started oh, so strange i've been through every Wait, I ride the waves, man. I ride the waves. Um, so like after undergrad, I really I was never super like in love with the work I made in undergrad. I like it's and now it's oh god, cringe, horrible, right? But I, you know, was deciding if I was gonna go to graduate school, what I was gonna do. And I saw I showed my work. I showed it, you know, minimally, locally, coffee shoppy, you know. I go to grad school, and grad school was a lot of like my particular program was making art. And then every, it was a three-year program. The first year you did a group show with all the first years. The second year you had to do a solo show. And then the third year you did a solo and a group. And they were just like at the school, like gallery, right? They, the school had a couple galleries and that's where you would show. Um, and I remember doing my second year show and a couple, my professors coming in and saying, this is ready to show. I'm being like, what? They're like, yeah, I would, I could see this at a New York gallery. I mean, that like made my life. Then I made yeah. real bad work the next year. <laughs> I should have just stayed on that path. It's fine. Grad school was meant for like discovery and playing and yeah. all that stuff. And I was like, wow, really? And like, yeah, I did. I ended up after that show, you know, I got the work back and I showed it. I showed it a lot. Um, I showed it. It got into a curated show by Philip Perlman. He curated a show at a, like a local, like New York gallery. And it was, that was really exciting. That's when I really felt like I was really starting to like do some stuff. It got, it showed at like a gallery um, in the Hampton, uh, one of the pieces, you know, they, they kind of mm -hmm. dispersed and showed all over. And I've actually sold most of the pieces from that show at this point. Wow. I, I've kept the ones they hang in my house that I, I, I wouldn't sell I cool. a couple pieces from grad school that I felt like were really special and I like them in my house and I probably will never sell them. And maybe one day I'll make prints or something. And you know, who knows, 
Um, and I thought, you know, I left grad school. I thought I'm ready to show, I'm ready to be a showing artist. I'm ready. I've, I was doing in all these shows in grad school and, um, I was really picking up speed. And, and then I had like a, I don't know, like a, a year and a half, two years, dud years where I didn't do, I didn't show, I didn't like get into anything. I started like applying cause I didn't know what to do. Um, and then I just like put my head down and worked and I, started post, posting on social media, really. And social media showing me like getting interest, a lot of interest in certain paintings and, um, gaining a little more confidence in like certain series and saying, you know, I'll go off on these series even deeper. And then, you know, um, getting into a really great art community where they were really like, I had such a, I had, I mean, the, the pandemic, you know, we, really kind of like dispersed us a bit. But at the time before the pandemic, I had this amazing, really supportive art community and they really told us and, and they, you know, we would like bounce ideas off each other. And like, if I, I would show them my paintings first and they were really supportive. They were like, okay, this is really good. You're like, this should be showing, apply to these couple galleries, do this, let me help you. And that's when I kind of, the ball really started rolling. And then I got to the point where, you know, galleries are reaching out. Um, mm. but I still apply to stuff sometimes. I mean, I think like, it's like you ride the waves. You'll have a year where you get all these shows, like you get offered to be in all these shows and you get this crazy hectic year and then the whirlwind of the year ends. And then maybe, maybe you don't have anything for the next year. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, you really just ride the waves. And I think you just, you never know if the art's good enough. You never know if it's really ready to show. Um, and you just like, hope that it is, I think. And, and if somebody wants to show it, then say yes. And, and it's, it's a bandaid, you know, you just have to like rip it and go because it's, it's scary. And I don't like a lot of the work I've shown through the years and I've shown it and a lot of, and some of it's sold and people have, and I, I, I hope they like it. I don't like it anymore, but you know, but I think we, like as artists, we don't like our work, you know, especially like, you know, as you start making new work and you get really excited about the new new work. And then you look back and you're like, ah, hey, oh, yeah. I've gotten much better with that. I can't lie to you. I've gotten much better. And I, like I said, I, I hang in my own home pieces throughout all my, not undergrad art, not undergrad art, but um, the pieces that I thought were successful in all the different stages of my life, certain ones that are, I really love some, if they don't sell, I hold on to them and hang them and enjoy them. You know, um, no longer do I turn them over, or shove them in a drawer. You know, I like to look at them and say, Oh, you know, look how far I've come or this one was really good for that. I really like what I did here. And I really like what I was trying to say, or, you know, I don't know. But I've gotten better at not hating, not hating everything. <laughs> So that's really cool, though, because like it's a document, it's an archive of your history as an artist and the development, yes. and I like that. That's really cool, and it also is within your reach. Yes, and I think, of course, you can always look back at your Instagram and your website and see all the work you've made, and you know, and but it's so nice to have some of the pieces that are really special. So, do you feel like you're part of a larger art community now? To, oh. Yes. I mean, it's definitely changed since COVID, my art community, but I do. I think, I still think my art kind of teeters on um, a, board, a line. Like, I'm not like dark art. 
or, you know, macabre, or I'm not quite lowbrow. I'm certainly not highbrow. I'm not illustrative. So I, I do teeter, but I think there is more and more like that. I, I, from social media, I see a lot of artists that are very similar to me and we're making similar work and showing in similar galleries. So I think, yes, I would say, yes, there is definitely a bigger community. I don't think we have a name. Someone said once there was like a name for like the buttoning, what did they call it? New contemporary or something. I was like, I don't think that's going to stick, but maybe it will. I don't really know. I'm not good at naming stuff. Um, so yes, I do think so. I, I always thought I was kind of a little more on the outskirts, but the more that I've been painting, the more that my work is evolving, I think I definitely have, I'm, I'm definitely fitting more into the greater um, scheme of the art community, if that makes sense. Um, I'm not, I and I show in dark art galleries now, which is interesting. And I didn't nice. for a long time. Um, not always, but I, I tend to make them some darker pieces, you know what yeah. I mean? So, um, but it's, I think that's really interesting because my work really is dark, but in a bubble gum pop package, yeah. if that makes sense. Like, that I don't know. Yeah. So I think I can kind of skirt a few more, um, I can kind of be in between some communities too, in a way. I definitely show more and get in and show in more galleries on the West Coast than I do on the East Coast. I don't know if that's changing a little bit now, but for for many years, I mostly got into galleries and showed out on the West Coast, like LA area, um, LA, San Francisco kind of area. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's going to change. It'll be really interesting. I, one of my goals is to show more on the East Coast so I can go to more of the openings. But yeah, it all depends, you know, if the galleries think my work fits and want to show it, you know. Now that you said that, actually, did I put this question on this list? Probably not. But like, how do you think that your environment and where you grow up and where you grew up and where you are situated currently affects your work? That's so interesting. Um, because you would think a lot of people all assume from social media, they're like, oh, I thought you were um, West Coast based. Hmm. So I think my work and I think a lot of Philly artists, you know, tend to paint darker. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, and it makes sense because Philly's like very ghosty, very macabre, um, historic and dark and, you know, the weather and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. I don't know why I, I've always gravitated toward bright colors, bright colors, bright um, decorating. Um, it's so interesting. So I, I've, when I'm painting art that I even like, I've toward like beautiful color palettes like really vibrant color palettes um always grab it I don't know why that's a really well and now of course I use color as part of the symbolism and the context and the yeah. you know con concept but I always like all my paintings were always really vibrant even in undergrad I don't know I think yes I think it is easy not easy not easy, but I do think it's natural to paint, like have your environment where you live really affect what you're painting. But I do feel 
I want to say that maybe I was more influenced by the colors of like stained glass um, growing up a very Catholic religious family that does have an effect, you know, and we're very Italian and loud and boisterous and we never fit in my whole family. My parents never fit into where we lived because my parents were originally um, from like an Italian section of Philadelphia outside of Philadelphia. And then they moved when I was little to Lancaster PA. And we really just didn't fit in there. Honestly, we were too loud, too Italian, you know, um, we really did not, I certainly didn't fit in at all. And I think that's really interesting. So I do think like looking at stained glass, looking at like these religious paintings, like a lot of those paintings were those really Byzantine looking, like, um, Jesus is dead on the cross. They wonder why Mm -hmm. I paint like macabre. Is that so weird? Anyway. Um, so I think I gravitate towards that. Like, and my husband and I were really lucky about, I want to say six years ago, seven years ago, we were really lucky to be able to go to Italy. And I was my first time going to Italy. And I mean, wow, I was like, this is, you know, the, the vibrancy, I mean, the Sistine Chapel, which was the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel painted by Michelangelo was always like one of my favorite uh, image images. And we went to see it and they had cleaned it. I want to say a few years before we had gone and it is so vibrant. It is so vibrant. You don't realize how vibrant the colors are and how incredibly colorful and like intense and gorgeous. I mean, so I thought, oh gosh, wow, that must, that's really interesting. That, so I think just the religious, like religious art and like stained glass and all these colors must have really <laughs> gone, deep, gone deep in, in there, you know? Um, but otherwise I don't really know. I, I do think, typically people do paint um their environment affects how they work i would definitely say that but i don't know my work it's very vibrant but now again i i it's always been vibrant but now it's really very much part of what i'm trying to say yeah i'm just curious because <laughs> you're talking about geography like it's yeah. working better in the west coast and it's like but you're on the east coast so that's like a, a really kind of interesting consideration definitely but yeah. and luckily in the age of the internet and social media like i can show my work on the west coast you know, um because of the world we live in now which is great yeah so i have a question from you from the last artist i interviewed a photographer called krista mccurdy um, mm. who's an incredible just incredible artist, very underrated, just very incredible. Mm. Um, and his question for you is, how do you deal with feeling low and negative? Do you have a creative routine to use this feeling or to quell this feeling? Oh, okay. I get low and negative a lot. I mean, I really do. It doesn't seem like I do, but um, I'm my own worst critic and um, I'm really hard on myself a lot. And I And it waxes and wanes, like, one week I'm like really positive about my work and the next I'm like really, really negative. Um, I gotta be, okay. So I, I use, I was in therapy for a while after I had my first son and I found that really helpful. And I found it really helpful. We, I talked to her, I was like, I wonder why I find this so helpful. And she had known that I call my sister. I call my best friend. I call my mom and and she said it's that I'm the type of person that I relieve 
I relieve these feelings and I relieve anxieties and I relieve myself and um, by talking to people, I obviously very Mm -hmm. chatty, but no. And she said, it's called like bearing witness, like that certain people will feel better simply just by having a lot of people to bear witness to what happened. And that's why therapy was really helpful for me. Cause like, she didn't really even talk. I just would be like, this is what happened. Bah, 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 you know, classic me, yeah. but you know, and of course she gave me like coping mechanisms and stuff like that. But for the most part, I just talked and she said, that's just, you know, that is a common thing in um, mental health is like some people feel much, much better when they can just talk about their really talk about it and get it out. So what I do when I'm feeling really, really low is, uh, yeah, I'll call my mom. I'll call my sister. I'll call my best friend. Uh, I'll vent to my husband. I'll vent, 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 vent. Then I'm also venting in my journal, my sketchbook, my journal, vent, 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 vent. You know, that really helps me. And, and, um, not kind of meditating. I mean, I kind of meditate when I'm painting just because it's, you know, I just, my brain quiets and I'm exactly through process. And I'll think about things. Like I said, I'll think about something that happened in history to put my issue in perspective or like what's going on in someone else's life. And I have like mantras and I have a lot of coping things and and that's really what I do. And, and I think it's different for everybody. Like I said, my therapist mm-hmm. said it's it, your way it, this is your way. Your way is bearing witness, like venting it and getting it out and not keeping it in at all. <laughs> and I think that's why I had a really hard childhood is because I hid, a, I felt like I hid a lot of stuff and I was really ashamed of myself. And when I was able to use art and use these things and vent it out and like that really changed a lot for me feeling better and more confident. And, um, I still listen, if I get hate, I still curl up in a ball and like cry. I can't, I'm, I'm very sad. I I have to be honest. I I am very sensitive. I'm very, very sensitive. But again, I have like my things, I have my coping mechanisms. I have my mantras. I have, you know, I call my people, but I am really sensitive. I, and I don't know if people, a lot of people know that about me. I'm very, very, very sensitive. Um, and it's funny because like being in art, I mean, when I went to art school, the critiques were merciless. I mean, merciless. And yeah, I was just thinking like you picked the wrong career for that. I know. I cried. I did. I was like this per- person in the critique, the tears. Oh, my baby. I hope that's not real. I hope that's not a real cry. Anyway, um, I would cry. I got to give him five minutes. But anyway, I. I would cry. And then I got really good at like not crying until I got home. I got really good at that. But um, then when I went to grad school, they said, why don't you instead, because I always harped on all the negative things that were said. They said, instead, go home with your sketchbook. And after, you know, right while you're getting critiqued, right, everything that's said, bring that home and look through it. And then you'll see all the actual positive things that were said instead of only remembering the negative. Yeah. I circle those, you know, and put that away then for like a couple, like a week or two, then bring it back out when you're a little less sensitive and decide what, what's actually helpful in there. And that's the key word. What's actually helpful in there? What's actually beneficial? What's actually going to 
what and what is this just someone being mean because they don't like your work or whatever it is mm. um that really helped i i'm still so sensitive i can't i ha- i must be fully honest and transparent there i am very sensitive um i have my ways of dealing with that sensitivity but i definitely am very sensitive um <laughs> so do you have a question for the next artist interview oh that's a really good oh ooh. My baby's calling me right now. <laughs> you go if you want to go. No, no, it's no okay. Let me think of my question because I want this you to be able to like we can close the chapter. Um, do you, okay. This is what I struggle with. Do you feel satisfied when you hit your goals, or have the goals already changed by the time you hit them, and have already Ooh. gone further? Do you like so do you basically do you feel like that goalpost is forever without with not in reach? Like it's you're always running towards something that's like in a dream. Your legs are molasses and you can't get there. You know, um I, I'm really curious about that currently right now, because right now I've hit a lot of goals. I had set what I believe to be manageable goals for myself, and I've kind of gotten there, but now they don't feel like I've gotten there. They don't feel like the goals were reached because the goals now are big, bigger. Hmm. So anyway, I, I would be curious to see what they thought on that. You know, if they feel like they ever truly hit goals. There goes. Okay. That's cool. Do you want to go? Are you okay? I do have to go and like, two minutes i'd say that's fine okay that's fine we'll end we'll end it here then we'll ask one more question okay. which is where can people find more about you and your work oh thank you um so you can find okay so i am actually in a show at arch enemy arts gallery in philadelphia coming up march 3rd i'm on instagram at gina altadonna i'm on tiktok at altadonna um i have a website just ginaaltadonna.com so these are all places you can find me um and hope to have oh and i am um in my faculty show i teach at the moore college of art and design and i'm currently showing three paintings in their faculty show which should be up for another month so if anyone's in the philadelphia area they can come see my work in person or they can check me out online that's perfect. Gina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was so wonderful no, getting to know you and having You're more than welcome. Honestly, it's been a pleasure to speak to you about your wife. That concludes my conversation with Gina Artadonna. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com get in touch via social media sites such as instagram and twitter the flying free world podcast is available on a variety of sites such as spotify youtube and apple music if you'd like to support the show please consider rating reviewing sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms to help us spread the word also please don't forget to check out the flying for daily art inspiration and if you're a creative please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed if you're interested in supporting the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page. Tears start from only £1, and for more information about rewards, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl. Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations. 
I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes of this episode. Once again, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.